I'm Karuna. I'm the founder and executive director for Mind Oasis. And with me on Meditation Happy Hour, Tea, Talk, and Truth with Karuna is the lovely Karen Soltis. Karen, how are you? I'm great. Good. Where in the world are you? I live in Durango, Colorado, which is the far southwest corner of Colorado, where four corners, Arizona, Utah, New Mexico, and Colorado all come together. It's truly beautiful there. Um, you are a wonderful board member and volunteer and donor to Mind Oasis, and we are so grateful for you. Can you tell us a little bit more about your life beyond that? Yeah, um, I, I am by training. I always start at the beginning, a clinical social worker, and I think um, mental health in one form or another has been my life's work since I was in my early 20s. And also what's been part of my life throughout the common thread of meditation. And I started as many people did in the sixties um, or early seventies with transcendental meditation, um, have had decades of years, decades of experience meditating and, and had quite a few long pauses in that time. And as I kept wandering through my life and I spent a lot of years um, doing Vipassana meditation with the insight meditation community in Washington, DC, Tara Brock, amazing teacher. And then kind of fell into this practice of yoga nidra through uh, another friend who was a yoga teacher in my Kalyanamita spiritual friends group. And the first time I heard yoga nidra was on a cassette tape with Rod Stryker um, I underscore cassette tape because that kind of dates where this all began. Most people don't. Also, I have to make my joke about cassette tapes here because <laughs> some people might not know what that is. That is what we used to listen to before CDs and MP3s. <laughs> um, and I think from the very first time I heard that practice, there was something that just was profound, I think I had not felt such a deep sense of relaxation that I could remember. And I got this tremendous hunger and passion to go find out what it was. And there was nobody doing any really teaching or training of it in those days. And uh, so I just would listen to that tape endlessly, trying to figure out what it was. And then I stumbled into another um, yoga nidra teacher, Richard Miller, um, I hadn't met him at all. I had no idea who he was, but I listened to his tapes. And what was really striking is when I started listening to Richard Miller's tapes, and it was kind of a different version of Yoga Nidra than I was used to. I went to another friend of mine, um, Robin Carnes, who was teaching and interested in this too. And I said, you know, I just really can't stop doing this stuff, but it's not <laughs> that relaxing. <laughs> and the truth of it is, is because it's not a relaxation, it's a meditation. And while I think meditation has tremendous potential and is often more than not deeply relaxing in our nervous system, it was really bringing me to look more deeply at myself at the same mm. time, which is really meditation and the heart of meditation. I, I've often said the sweet seduction in with most meditation practices is initially you feel just so peaceful and relaxed, you know, and then the shit hits the fan, you know, when all that stuff that's been under the surface begins to percolate. Um, <laughs> so 
then I, by uh, really good fortune calling whatever uh, got connected to the work of Richard Miller when he was doing the first study at uh, Walter Reed in around 2007, looking at it as a possible treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder. And one thing led to another and I did Richard's first training, his second training, I ended up becoming a trainer myself, um, not because I ever really wanted to, it just, I think there's been something profoundly that just keeps calling me back to it. And I spent eight years at the Washington DC VA um, where I was really given free reign to go in and, and develop a yoga nidra program. And in those days, I think there were two of us um, in the entire VA system teaching this. And I think the VA didn't really know what we were, what I was doing. So they kind of let me do whatever I wanted to do. And it was great. Um, they're now, I mean, several hundred teachers that have been trained within the VA system and military. Um, and the military has been really quite behind these um, practices as part of their integrative medicine program, both on the active duty side and the VA and veteran side. Um, and I think my real passion with Yoga Nidra has always been taking these practices into communities that don't typically walk through the doors of a yoga studio. So it might be military folks, it might be uh, kids and adolescents that have developmental issues, um, really taking it, as I said, into communities that don't um, typically have access so readily. Can you describe IREST Yoga Nidra just a little bit about sort of what one would expect if they came to a Yoga Nidra um, session? Yeah, well, there's in IREST Yoga Nidra, there's a 10 step protocol that is followed. Um, you don't need to understand any of the theoretical underpinnings that it came from, even though there is a re very rich um, and deep uh, uh, philosophical basis that um, IRS comes out of. You don't really need to know any of that. And in a typical class, really all you have to do is come in, you can lie down, you can sit up, you can stand up, you can do whatever really feels best for your body. One of the things I loved about Yoga Nidra is that I got to do it lying down. <laughs> um, and then a teacher will guide you through the protocol. And the first uh, kind of nugget is the three-step Sankalpa. And the real cornerstone of that is working with what we call inner resource. Um, so people might call it your happy place, or I've heard that term used in other places, but the, the inner resource is, is uh, it's kind of the bedrock of the of the practice. And that's really finding that place where we feel safe, we feel secure. It might even just, I'm okay. That in this moment, I'm okay. There's, there's nothing wrong here. And that deep sense of safety that we may feel when we're out in nature or with, with people that we love or been with people in the fast past that we feel very connected to. Uh, for some people it's being with their pet um, that unconditional love that um, I have an orange tabby in my lap right now. <laughs> um, yeah, our, our pets oftentimes give us that just deep sense of relaxation. 
And so we're grounded in that place that you could even spend the entire practice just nourishing that place, not just as a visual image, but really what does it feel like in your body? So for you, even sitting there with your cat in your lap, just, just noticing how that felt senses that creates a deep sense of more calm and well-being and okayness. Yeah. And, and when we have that place of well-being, then it also enables us more easily to move through the other parts of the practice where we're meeting sensation, we're meeting emotion, we're meeting beliefs, we're meeting underlying sense of joy. Um, and, and the essential uh, tool of iRest is really just welcoming what's there. If welcoming feels too big a stretch, sometimes we don't wanna welcome what feels difficult to be with or challenging is just, can we at least allow it to be there? Just allowing it to be there um, and having that tool of the inner resource to, there's a way to titrate our experience so that we can deal with some of those more intense uh, emotions or chronic pain or whatever happens to be present in our life. There's a way to keep grounding back in that deeper sense of well-being, even as the fluctuations of body and mind may be happening. Yeah, I'm happy you um, touched just a little bit on chronic pain. I, in 2016, I had a surgery and um, uh, I knew that I was kind of the most sensitive, tough girl out there. And so I had shared with my doctor ahead of time, um, sort of my concerns about pain management afterwards. Um, and despite being pretty proactive, um, I had a terrible experience with pain after, and there wasn't pain management and none of my practices were working. I was really a mess for several weeks. Um, and then I went to a yoga nidra class, not really expecting that anything would be different, but maybe out of desperation that something might shift even a little bit. And, um, I could barely walk, um, going into that class and I came out really completely shifted, like everything had shifted in a really profound way. And the healing then from there was able to begin. And I'm not suggesting that that happens every time somebody takes a yoga nidra session, but I'm wondering if in your experience, if you've been able to pinpoint even just a little bit, what is it about yoga nidra that is so damn potent? Well, I think we don't know for sure. You know, we have some good guesses just based on what neuroscience is um, telling us. And some of it has just been my own direct observation of what I would watch. Um, chronic pain is a great example. Oftentimes when we're in pain, there's a part of ourselves that um, we're just trying to get away from it, which creates a whole nother level of stress. And um, I went through a period of some pretty severe back sciatic um, pain and in my better moment. So I call it my home study course on chronic pain, <laughs> you know, of, of how to work with chronic pain, you know, when you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't hardly walk. And it's very interesting because we can spend with chronic pain, a lot of energy trying to push it away rather than actually move into the felt sense of sensation. And one of the things that was really effective for me is actually, can I really find where that pain is. I mean, is there a center? Is there a, 
outer boundary and you realize that it's coming and going, it's moving, it's not static. And I think working with that in terms of really diving headlong into the sensation, pain is just sensation, um, challenging as it may be. Um, it's just a sensation, can we meet that? I think the other thing that happens with uh, yoga nidra is that we can feel into that sense of well-being that's here, that's unchanging, even as there's a difficult physical sensation or it might be an emotion that's difficult or challenging to be with. Um, I love what, um, I think is it Pema Chodron who calls them the unwanted. <laughs> and really allowing them and inviting them to be in there with and really experience it, all the while recognizing that there's this larger place that is not in pain this, that's just fine and what i was told have been told by a number of people at the va who had been in horrible pain for sometimes years that the first time they came in um a few people said to me you know there there were moments where i felt no pain i've got box elder buds flying at me here and um <laughs> And, and I think that having that sense of there's also something else here that is fine, even while there may be a sensation of pain here in the foreground, there's something bigger here. That experience of that wholeness, um, that stillness, whatever term, that presence that's untouched by pain, whether it's emotional traumatic pain or physical pain, is, is a pr profound game changer. Um, I also think that part of what might happen is that when we're in pain, all those muscles around the nerves start to contract and some of just the relaxation that happens with yoga nidra and particularly in body sensing, we're going around just feeling different parts of the body. There's often a sense of relaxation without trying to relax. And I think some of that also helps take the tension off those nerves that have been firing and firing and firing. So I think there's a multitude of things happening, but the bigger piece is, is finding that piece of wholeness that is just fine, even as difficult things may be coming and going. And, and that's kind of how we spend every day now too. You know, there's this foreground of challenges that just keep coming. They remind me of the I Love Lucy episode where the chocolates are just coming <laughs> down that. And there's oftentimes lots of stuff, but if I can find that place of wholeness and, and peace and calm, then I can work with what's happening in the foreground. Yeah, I'm happy you mentioned that because as you were talking about sort of maybe the physiological stuff that's sort of happening and then being able to touch that inner resource and learning how to find the inner resource, many of us don't have never really thought about like, well, what is my touchstone? What kept occurring to me is my God, she's describing 2020. Like, you know, we have our home and we have our practices or we don't have a practice and we're just trying to find some sort of mm, homeostasis while everything's just kind of popping around us. Like, can we go to the grocery store? Can we do this, et cetera, you know, and it's kind of changing and 
the things we used to be able to do without any thought at all, going to the grocery store, poof, now you have to think about, you know, the risk factor and going to the grocery store, right? Um, so you have an upcoming workshop on Mind Oasis, which is on December 6th, which is coming up very quickly. And it's a two hour um, uh, yoga nidra uh, workshop. And I'd love to hear a little bit about what, what the plan is. Yeah. Um, well, I, I tend to start my workshops with a little bit of practice because it's uh, I could spend two hours talking about what it is, but giving people that direct experience in the beginning of a short practice is, um, I find the best way to um, uh, help orient people. And a lot of what I'm going to be talking about um, in this workshop is about inner resource and finding that ground of well-being and uh, source. Um, I think it has been a particularly difficult time. Oftentimes we're in this time after Thanksgiving up until the new year where we're rushing around. Um, we're going to all kinds of social things. We're shopping, we're cooking, we're, um, our, our whole world is in overdrive when our bodies are really saying rest and restore. The bears are hibernating. Most of the mammals are slowing down and we're cranking up and going against what's the natural part of our nervous system. This year, I think, is a very different kind of challenge where all those things that have been the typical rituals um, are much more challenging. We may not be able to see family in the same way. We probably aren't going to be going to those um, Christmas, New Year parties with friends that help us feel a sense of connection. And it's a very different world to be in. So there's a whole different need to find rest and restoration in the nervous system and it's interesting you brought up going to the grocery store, which used to be kind of an enjoyable thing for me, you know, think about creatively what I'm going to cook and I like to cook. And now I, I feel my whole nervous system is fired up. It's I'm in parasympathetic, I'm in sympathetic activation. I mean, I feel like I'm in fight flight mode and I don't even realize when I'm inside of there until I get back into my car, how much I'm you know, my antenna are going out in every direction. And I, I walk out of the grocery store and I feel exhausted. Um, and, and that's become our, our, our kind of new, I hate to say normal, but that's how we have to be in the world right now is to be really super careful. So our fight flight freeze system is overactivated. So all the more important to kind of find a place where we can feel some rest and restoration and renewal um, and safety. Yeah. Um, the world feels so unsafe right now. Yeah. Um, one of the aspects of yoga nidra that I love the most is that it doesn't really require one to do anything. Um, I was laughing earlier today in one of my community meditation classes because I was saying, you know, shamatha meditation or, you know, meditation where you concentrate on your breath and, and are, you're working pretty hard. And it's sort of like the most simple complex thing on earth besides fly fishing, which I'm convinced is the second most complex thing on earth. You know, you go into the fly shop, you think you just are dropping a fly into the water and there's like 
all of these things at play, nature, wind, what kind of fly, is it nymphing underneath, is it above? And, you know, that's kind of, to me, sort of traditional meditation, Vipassana, Shamatha as well. There's a lot at play and you have to work pretty hard. Yoga Nidra, on the other hand, um, is this opportunity to sort of rest back and listen to your guide, yes? Yeah. And, and because it's a guided meditation, you're not left with your own thoughts. I spent a lot of years in um, more traditional Vipassana practice and um, silent, <laughs> silent retreats were anything but silent because there was so much noise inside my head. And, and it sometimes for me felt like I was at war with myself, trying to get myself to stay with my breath and uh, all the other component parts. And I do think it, you know, is a tremendous value and I don't want to minimize that, but yoga nidra is easy. Um, <laughs> just lie down. You don't even have to stay awake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's profound and it's gentle. And in 2020, my goodness, we need gentle. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I took my mother once to uh, uh, a yoga nidra class when she came to visit me. Or maybe we were listening to recording at my home, and she got up from it and she said, "This is even better than a nap." <laughs> and I do think it does give some sense of rest and restoration in the nervous system that we're not often getting from our um, sleep if we're sleeping well, and many of us are not. I think it also gives us some tools to learn to be with those more challenging emotions or beliefs and that there's the opportunity to start really meeting and allowing um, all those parts of ourselves that may have been packed away for years or decades sometimes to gradually reemerge and to be able to meet them. Um, and, and to really allow them to be there and find the deeper wisdom um, that's there. I love that. I love that. So our subtitle to this podcast is Tea Talk and Truth with Karuna. I have coffee. I have coffee too. We had talk, so now we need to know your truth. What's your truth, Karen? You know, I, I, it's an interesting question and um, that truth is, 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 is a sense for me that I, that I have been pulled in certain directions in my life. So I was never really great at one of those, you know, people that could make a life plan and follow it with some intention that I felt like there's always been uh, some stronger force that's been calling me to do whatever work I showed up in. And I think that's certainly been true of the, I never intended to become a meditation teacher. I uh, remember when I had the invitation to become a trainer, I said, you know, I, I don't get up in front of people and do things. And um, <laughs> I'm laughing because I've seen you get up in front of people ever, you know, like that's kind of is what you do actually. <laughs> I know. And I, and, and I had to really deal with my morbid shyness. More, I, I used to say I was morbidly um, shy and, uh, and, and, and yoga nidra really allowed me to start meeting that part of myself that was the five-year-old terrified person to get up in front of things, people didn't say and do anything. And, um, and it's become relatively easy for me. But I think that, that 
the deeper truth for me in terms of a spiritual practice is there is something deeper that has been guiding me all along. And it's been my unique expression, just as you have your own unique expression as Karuna, the work that you feel pulled to do. And, and there is a sense of, I don't have to work so hard if I just quiet down and listen, there's something stronger that I think is, has been guiding me all along. And um, I don't have to work so hard, even though I'm still drawn to really study and, and practice and, and do some of the heavy lifting that, you know, meditation um, isn't relaxation. It's, it's, it's really um, some of the hardest work that we take on in our life. Um, and yet it can still feel kind of effortless. Um, I love that image that you've used in the past um, of it's almost like a magnet, like it's almost there is a magnet sort of pulling you along. Yeah. And, and one of the components of Irish Yoga Nidra is coming into that sense of a heartfelt desire or heartfelt longing or what is our life's mission. And, and that sense of really quieting down and, and feeling what, what is it that's my own unique expression that when I'm moving in that direction in my life, there's a sense of rightness or when I feel pulled away from it, there's like this magnet that pulls mm. me back or we start hearing those kind of no's in our body that are our deeper truth. And, and it may not even be something that we have words for it can just be this sense of, ah, this, this feels right. Um, so I think that's my, my deeper truth. That's uh, taken me a few decades, many decades to get to is I don't have to work so hard. I um, love it. You know, that there is this river that's pulling me along and I can just go with it. So Karen joins us on Mind Oasis on the 6th of December for a two-hour workshop of I Rest Yoga Nidra, and it'll be all about rest and resiliency during this crazy holiday time. It's recorded, so you'll have that recording to come back to again and again, the practices and the philosophy as well. Karen, thank you so much for joining me today. You are a most wonderful board member, donor, volunteer, and friend, so we are so grateful for you at Mind Oasis. Thank you.